games, games, games. I wanna choose my name, cast flames at a goblin with a knobbly face. I wanna chase round space, have a potion race. Quit rebellion in this freaky little forest place. Choose a room to destroy in the dungeon gloom. Jewels in the dunes of a moon lagoon. I wanna kneel to reveal secret shield. I wanna sacrifice some streamers on the battlefield. Yield, big shield, stop stealing from the Duchess. Fight like a knight, all balls to justice. I wanna buy my fame on a knocking plane. Wanna trade some grain, gotta fund my reign. I've got terrain to reclaim Folks, it's time once again for you listeners to get an exclusive insight into the Handsome Boys Club. The Handsome Boys Club. My name's Henry. My name's Ben. My name's Pete. And collect. I, oh, I almost what? said my name's also Pete. <laughs> I was also giving my name. Well, that is an incorrect <laughs> statement. Okay, folks, on today's this is show. Easy bit, Pete. Come on. <laughs> First off, we play that. Faffing with the dice. We play a little game called Who's the Chump? Hey, Ben, are you a chump? I was a bit of a chump. Okay. So, are you Admiral Chump of the Chumpington fleet? I wouldn't say so. Sailing into unknown waters and then right off the map onto a, like a little a little garden of a, that a giant had because you're the waterfall because you thought you were a hero but it turns out you're just on the pond of a giant. I stood at the bottom of a mountain and shouted loudly, I am not a chump, which caused an avalanche of chump snow to crush me to death. We <laughs> saw a game called Spellbook. Spellbound? Spell, I think Spellbook. Spellbook. I think Spellbook. And, um... S-P-E-L-B-O-O-K. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I know how to spell it. I think... I think you you missed didn't spell L. book, though. You spelled Spellbook. Did you miss an L? I think... Did you miss an L? Anyway. Listen back. And... <laughs> hit us in the comments, like and subscribe. The way it works at Spiel is you see a table... So a lot of the... Uh, board game publishers and, and people have tables out with playable copies of the games. Normally there's people floating around to teach you the game and talk you through it. So um, we're wandering through and a table was there and we you just kind of go, sure, well, let's go in the mood for that. Sometimes mm-hmm. if, if it's something you really want to play, you might queue for it or you might go up and say, ask people you know you're nearly done, etc. So we saw that. So um, we spoke to someone, they were like, do you want to play the game? We said yes. So they went, okay, these guys are going to be finishing soon. I'll start explaining the rules with what's on the table. They did start giving an explanation and I, well, Pete immediately checked out. I said, <laughs> Henry, this is, I feel like that. It's fair. You were, Henry, you, were, Henry, you were on your phone quite Henry quickly. Henry gave it maybe a minute or two. Yeah, I was like, uh, uh, and I was like nodding like I was desperately trying to understand. But when someone's exp- like, if I tried explaining a game to you now, but I didn't do it very well, and also you couldn't see the game. Because all they said to me was like, and if you do the black card, you can do this. And if you do the green card, you can do this. They didn't explain to me what the game was, what I was trying to do, anything else. I do feel we were a little guilty of that when, at times when explaining Lamb or the factory. Anyway, it's difficult. What I'm saying is, is true. That it, it's it, difficult. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard to do. So 
the people left, and we're still having the game explained to us badly, or to not badly, depending on the period. Badly, badly, okay, but not, not, ref- through, not through the fault let of me the rephrase explainer. That. It was being explained to me, and I was not taking any of it in. Which but isn't would, the fault of anyone in the situation. But I would Great. say that person should have had the training to be like, this is a really, this is, because we've had games explained to us really well mm. this weekend by people that really engaged I, I, us. I think, I think if they'd had the stuff in front of them, they would have done a lot better. Yeah. Anyway, the people left and some other people started hovering around and eventually they sat down and basically just took our spot and rather than jump in and assertively say something I said nothing so when the rules explanation had finished we just went okay there was nowhere for us to play so we just left so that makes me king chump I feel like Ben you said nothing but I said less than nothing because I should have said said something I should have said something to you to say something and Pete should have said something to me to say something to you to say something there's a chain of command in chump towers yeah who's more chumpy the chump or the chump that doesn't follow him Ben please 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 Ben we want to play the spell book game it's a lesson I learned I was a lot more assertive for the rest of the of the Mm. convention I would go up to him like you almost done or we're going now you know when you kicked that small child in the face to play double connect I gained a lot of respect I, I my respect doubled my respect doubled hey oh. right I didn't kick a chump I just want to say that I wasn't a chump because I foresaw <laughs> all of it and checked out immediately as noted alright I, I was like I see what's happening here you've got, some, you've got some chump insecurities here Pete because Henry asked me if I was a chump and I said yes and you've weighed in saying I'm not a chump I checked out knowing Okay, it's time for board game review. So, Ben, you were adamant that you were going to walk away with a chonky game. Now, if you didn't listen to episode one, like a fool, a chonker in our language means... I, I, will, I will not say anything further until they listen to episode one. <laughs> a chonker is a big board game that takes a whole afternoon. That's the thing that you're going to do. Um, so, Ben, you like space and... Bees. So, I did want to buy a chonker, but I also, crucially, wanted to impulsively buy a chonker. <laughs> that, that was genuine, genuinely part of it. And, and the only thing... going to do it! The only thing not on my bingo card was buy what I saw as a real bargain. I got some stuff at a good price, but I don't think I got anything a real bargain. Mm. So... I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this a full-blown chonker. It probably felt like that last night when we were playing because we were all very tired. Oh, painfully but tired. I think it's probably not what I'd call a full-blown chonker. I'd say this is a medium-sized game. Ben, probably. it's time for your favourite part of the show, reading the back of the box. In a far distant future, humans no longer inhabit Earth. The cause of their disappearance, or perhaps their demise, oh. is unknown, but uh. their absence left a void ready to be filled by another sentient species. Once the span, over the span of untold generations, one species of the humble honeybee evolved to fill that void. They grew in size and intelligence to become a highly advanced society. They call themselves Melifera. Your faction starts the game with meager supplies. A worker placement hive building challenge awaits you. Uh, sorry, Alec Guinness, um, I asked Ben if he could read the back of the box. Alec, if you could just leave and go back to your grave. I can do a much better Alec Guinness impression than that. <laughs> Um, that's fine Ben but we've got the real addict Guinness going back to his grave Um, so it's worker placement it's like getting your resources getting your your bees out there building up your stuff I really enjoyed it even though I'm not massively into worker placement games Um, 
I I sort of went, right, this is the thing I'm going to do, and I just went with it. And sometimes with worker placement games, I get stuck and I just don't have enough resources, but I sort of, like, buzzed along quite nicely. Ben, you are a big fan of worker placement games. How many funds was it in terms of worker placements? Apology. I'd say it's uh, pretty funs, is what I'd say. It's a difficult one to get right. I, I So I was learning it at 10, 10 p.m. at night, which is not the way to learn a game when you've had a very long day of learning games. <laughs> and it was quite... The rules are, are, are fairly straightforward, but then learning and teaching a game always sucks, and doing it when you're very tired, and everyone you're list explaining it to is also very tired, it's not an helpful way of doing it. I think it is a worker placement game. I think it's got some really good interaction. Um, I think it's got a lot of variance to it as well. The thing that interested me in it, and the reason I wanted it, is we play Scythe a lot, um, which is made by these people, and Wingspan. And both those games are about building your own engine that's kind of mm. off the board. Mm. So Scythe has a bit more territory control. Wingspan doesn't really have any interaction at all. It's mm. got a little bit. Mm. I think this is a little different to both those games because you are you do have your own map and you can kind of build an engine on there, but I think the most of the game is happening on the board, which I think is quite different. Mm. I absolutely coming back to what we said in the last episode about theme. I absolutely adore the theme. Mm. Bees taking over as dominant species and exploring space, beautiful. To be, or not to be a giant space bee, Pete. I uh, comparison to Wingspan is interesting because. I think it was very fun. I enjoyed it. The theme was cool. All, the, all, all of that. Agree with everything. Recommend. Easy. Mm. Compared to Wingspan, though, one of the things I really like about Wingspan is that it seems really complicated. Like, it seems like there's a lot going on and a lot of options, especially for, like, mm. kind of newer board gamers. But once you start playing, it's very clear somehow. I, this is what I find. I think even with inexperienced board game players, like, Wingspan... People grok it very easily. Mm. The grok is sort of like a board gamey, magic-y term for like understanding it sort of ah. properly. And like, I grokked what you said straight away. I've never heard the word before. There we go. Um, well, uh, grok me up. Uh, grok me up. Throw inside. away the grok. Grok me up before you go grow. Point is that um, I don't think Apiary has that in the same way, but it was still really good. But uh, yeah, so. The, 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 the tactileness of the, the bees, so they start off at one on the side and you can turn them over to two, so they're like little, the bees are getting stronger, the drones, are, the workers are getting stronger. I quite like that little element, the workers getting stronger. I like the workers getting strong. And the tactile, the bees are beautiful. The item, like it's, it's kind of beautifully, it's really nice yeah physically. And as a comparison to Wingspan, I don't want to eat the bees like I want to eat the mini eggs. <laughs> So, I don't know, pros or con, hard to say. Mm, I'm going to say pro. Pro? I'm going to give it a B plus. Whoa, that's great. Hey, Pete, how do you feel about corporations? I think corporations are often bad. And as a climate activist, I think corporations are often very bad. Well, how do you feel about evil corporations? I wouldn't know. I've never played a game called Evil Corp. Well, Ben, it's time for your favourite part of the podcast, reading the back of the box. We at Evil Corp have been working for 666 generations to frighten human villagers. When it comes to scaring, we're the best. Every year we hold a team seminar where each of our managers is tasked with recruiting a team of monsters and competing against their colleagues to prove they're the best at terrorising humans. Will you have the most terrifying team of the year? So this was pitched as like corporate like dungeon keeper 
we played a game of it, and I will say that that theming of that interesting element of like a company looking for the best monsters sort of goes out the window and you're just like an army that's attacking mm. a village, right? And it's just about building your army and seeing how much damage and chaos and gold you can loot from the village, which is totally fine. I really enjoyed the, you build up your army, you build up a sort of deck and you place it and it's sort of tactical, but the artwork was quite nice and maybe after a few games you'd get a bit um, used to it, but I did enjoy this like element of like, huh, Okay, what does this do? And I think that would persist because there's a lot of like moving parts to it. Ben, what's your thoughts on Evil Core? I agree that the theme is not there at all, really. If you look at the box, you see a demon behind a desk. I think that's the only artwork that looks vaguely businessy. All the demons just look like normal mm. demons. I think they could have lent into that more. But that's a minor criticism. So it plays two to four. I'd be really interested to see how it plays with three or four. I, or I don't know if it's two and four, but... With two players, it's really interesting. So basically, you have the board split, you have two villages, and you're putting stuff down on your sides of those two villages, and it's a kind of tug of war. So it's really interesting because absolutely winning and owning one side gets you a victory point. You only need two to win. But obviously, if you're just letting the other side go to rot, your opponent's probably going to do the same thing. It's a, effectively a deck builder. You're, you're buying tiles and putting them in a bag and pulling them around a bit of a bag, but functioning as a deck builder, it's just using de- uh, tiles rather than cards. I think it's really fun. I mean, it's a game I bought, so that really appeals to me. Any game that I think is an interesting two-player game always, always gonna, is always going to appeal to me. Mm. So, yeah, I think the theming is, is fine. Um, I, th- I don't think the th- theming is bad. No, it's not it's, bad. No. It's just it's not applied to the game. I think, yeah, yeah but that's mm. not a problem. If, if it was... If it was just like you are a raiding party out to hunt humans, I'd be like, yeah, cool, that's fine. And I think crucially, what I got from this um, reason I bought it, why I didn't buy a lot of other games I did enjoy, is I can see there's there's layers to this. So I think if you play it multiple times with the same person, mm-hmm. you'll build up the strategies. I can see there's stuff going on there. And we, you, know, you don't yeah. see all the tiles, you're adapting your strategy as well. Yeah, I mean, the way Henry described it, it sounded like there might be like some emergent stuff where like certain things interact in ways that you wouldn't, expect and more than the sum of their parts kind of thing yeah and i think it's also a game that'd be very easy to do expansions for so mm-hmm. the there's three like demons which you kind of do a ritual for each round and they reset um but those are tiles they're not like fixed on the board so you could they you could change the effects of those mm-hmm. quite easily for example and you mentioned you liked it because you bought it <laughs> so the opportunity to buy more things would mean you like those things yeah well i like asserting my wealth <laughs> <laughs> Just like the goblins in the game. Exactly. Hey, Pete. Can you put on the table those lovely little D20 dice? Because it's once again time for... It's a D&D one-shot. Okay, three minutes. Let's go. The spaceship has been hit by your second-in-command, and he's livid. He's smashing up the ship. He's gone furious. Unfortunately, he's got space pops. Uh, he looks to the first member of the crew. I'm the uh, the Jedi from, have you played the PS1 <laughs> Jedi uh, Phantom Menace game? And there's one of the side characters you can play. You can play through like the Obi-Wan and uh, Qui-Gon story, but you, there's one guy who's like a weird alien uh, with like- Is it Plo Koon? Plo Koon, yeah. It's got orange lightsaber. Yeah, orange lightsaber, yellow no, lightsaber. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jesus, you're Plo Koon. I'm Plo Koon, thank okay. you for getting me my name. I'm the first Admiral, um, so I'm there, sexy as anything, I've got a huge chin, 
and uh, I approach him and say, Listen here, buddy, we need to sort out this space pox you've got. And I put my arm around him and give him a big old nuzzle with my big chin. Okay, roll endurance to make sure you don't catch space pox. It's a 14. Okay, you're fine. So, uh, you're Zach Brannigan and I'm Kif, is it? Is this what's happening no, here? No, you're, you're a Jedi. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like Plo Koon as Kif. Now, the uh, the second in command was flying the ship, Plo Koon. How are you going to deal with that oh, now? But, He's gone out of space box. Mr. Ladmiral, am I supposed to? Should I? So I tell him, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. And I put my arm around him and I give him a big old nuzzle with my sexy chin. The piloting. Uh, everyone roll uh, acrobatics. The gravity's gone. I've got a natural 20, baby. Okay, you can move better than you can move on okay. within gravity. Uh, I got a 9 plus whatever, or minus whatever. Okay, you're currently stuck to the ceiling. So I take um, the, the oh. first mate that's going blisting, because I'm like really manoeuvrable. Am I able to like put him in a, in a, in a, in a broom cupboard? Right, yep. Okay, Okay. so you, you've sorted that out. Um, the ship's entering hyperdrive. Someone's going to need to do something with the controls, otherwise you're going to fly into Can the sun. But it looks like you can move easily, Ladmiral. Please take control. You can use the force. <laughs> You're cloak. Am I allowed to use the force, Ladmiral? And and I go up to him and I put my arm around his shoulder and I go, buddy, you can use whatever force you need to use. I force push him away from me because I'm a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And I <laughs> and force move myself to to the controls. And do I know how to use them? Uh, roll. Is a five. Uh, you don't. Uh, I'm gonna try anyway, I guess. Okay, and I put my arm around your shoulder and say, even if we crash and die, you've been a great Jedi. The ship disappeared oh. into the singularity and no one knows what happened. Lovely three minute D&D, folks. It's time for Pitch or Pass. This is where Ben, hello. Hello. Is going to pitch to us a board game idea. If we like it, we're going to put some money towards it. If we don't like it, he's going out the window. Okay. And, and we are on the hundredth floor of this hotel. You might be able to hear the traffic going by through the gently opened window. Yeah. My game is called Down the Pub Lick Sector. <laughs> and Excuse me? My game is called Down the Pub Lick Sector. Got it. Different players in board games like different mechanics, right? So we've established Henry doesn't particularly care for a worker place. No, no, no. For example, but he really loves the territory control. Hello. So I was thinking, how can we make everyone happy? So um, it's an asymmetrical three-player game. I was thinking something we could play. Mm. So one faction plays as the Department for Transport. And what you're doing is um, worker placement. So you're placing... (laughs) Um, people on different parts of the board you're gathering resources so you can upgrade things and Mm. kind of build the transport infrastructure Mm. the second player is playing as the military the armed forces so they are playing a territory control game and they're trying to take over as much of the board as possible right so the transport infrastructure makes it easier for them to do that but also they're going to have to be kind of offsetting that by giving some additional resources to the transport which lets them build more stuff which makes Mm. it easier for the military the third faction is playing as the health service and they're doing a deck builder and they have no presence on the board at all because all they're about is trying to sort out their terrible, terrible bureaucracy. <laughs> so their deck is full of rubbish and yeah. they're trying to streamline it. 
but everyone else is reliant on them because it's only through them that they can get, you know, they can dish out upgrade cards, etc. But you, so it's competitive, but you have to interact with each other. So one of you's playing deck builder, one of you's playing worker placement, and one of you's playing the territory. Control. Ben, I'm going to put my hand up to ask a question. Hello. Uh, do you have the same win condition, or does each faction have a different win condition, a la games like Root? You all have different win conditions. Interesting. Um, it's probably it'd probably be like a point system, but you're scoring yeah. points in different ways. Different, yeah, yeah, sure. And um, I've got another question. You said it's designed for us. You work for the NHS. I work for DFT. Does that mean that Henry secretly works for the military? He likes territory control games. Yeah. And is that also how you imagined who was playing what? Um, I didn't imagine that way. In fact, I don't want to play a game where I have to sort out bureaucracy in the NHS. Is, is the military faction, is they fighting against the, the, the game? <laughs> be they fighting against uh, the game? Be it like human, the... be it inhuman. <laughs> yes. Are they, fighting... they <laughs> are they fighting some inhuman enemy that's the game itself or another they player? They are manufacturing reasons why they would need to, like, you know... Deploy their resources. Invade Stockton on Tees. Well, they wouldn't be. It's not necessarily invading, but you know, maybe they're they're like going. Oh, we hear there's a flood. Probably should deploy the mm. military. Oh, docks are going on mm. strike. Probably shouldn't deploy the military. Right. Okay. And is there an expansion pack called Austerity where you start with less? It's a de a, a de expansion pack. It's a, <laughs> it's a contraction pack. Hey, I like it. I like I like um, like Scythe is is a good example of a game that's. Um, resource management worker placement but territory control it's a it's a worker placement game that pretends that it's a, a territory control but it's still an element in the game um so yeah i like it when there's a fusion i don't come across those games as much as i and quite like as we said chaos not chaos corp evil corp is is similar like there's a board and there's there's like a bit of territory it feels like territory control the only game i can think of that does it is june imperium interesting because that is a deck build and a worth placement and there's a bit of combat in it but it's not really territory control because there's one territory Pete are you investing in uh, down the pub lick sector yeah it sounds good it's designed specifically for us about us I'd be very upset if you didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) well I'm going to invest the same as our current government invests in the public sector so I'm afraid it will never billions. get made. <laughs> yeah, it is actually, to be fair, as much as we would say it's not enough, it is many billions still. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, lovely time was had by all. Hey, if you invest what we, the government spends on the NHS, I can give everyone in the world a copy that is worth over a billion pounds. Wait, no, that's not right. Yeah, I can give everyone over a Over a pound. I, no, 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 I can give everyone a copy that's worth a lot of money. So, it's time to play Shot in the Dark. That's right, it's a little deck of cards with some questions, and I'm going to ask Ben one of them. Speaking of the public sector, Ben, in England, how much more, or less, as a percentage, do unionised workers earn per hour compared to non-unionised workers doing the same job? Ooh, that's very interesting. More or less unionised workers than non-unionised oh, well, workers. I work in the public sector where being in a union doesn't really factor in. Whoa. Um, that's an interesting. <laughs> I, oh, sorry, yes. No, I'm going to say unionised oh, workers see. earn less because I think you're more likely to be in union if you're on a lower pay, if you're earning less money. So I'm going to say... Yeah. Like, oh, you say ask by how much less. But, yeah. So I'm going to say £12,000. Union... Oh, in percentage. I'm going to say um, that's 17%. That's... It's 17% less. Wait, £12,000 you're thinking on average, and that's supposed to be only 17%. So you think on average... 
The average salary in the UK is about 30, I think it's about 38. Yeah, but, but if you were saying £12,000 and 17%. Look, Pete, I changed you... my mind. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid, Ben, it's a big old... Plus. Unionised workers on on average 12.5% more. Yeah, I said 12%. But you said less. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wasn't... It's funny, because we have now the reverse idea. Anyway. Get yourself in a union, boys. Thank you. Henry. Yes. We went to a place that is known as the German Greggs today. <laughs> but how many sausage rolls does Greggs sell in the UK in an average week? Week. Okay, so, so seven days. That's seven average. days that's average. So not well, no, Christmas <laughs> week yeah. or New Year's or my birthday, but an average week. Per, how many do they sell? 12 million. 12 million. Pete, do you want to come in? Wait, this is Greg's across the whole country. In the UK in a week. Oh, I think it's more than 12 million now. But uh, I'll stick with me said. Okay, so I don't think I don't think most people have a Greg's sausage roll a week. But the people who do have it probably have a million. A couple of weeks. <laughs> like if I go if I if I go, if I go to Greg's, I get two sausage rolls at least. Vegan sausage rolls. So yeah, I reckon the same thing Henry said. So you're, <laughs> you're both going for 12 million. No, I'm going for 12, and 12 million in one. It's 1.5 million. Whoa. So, Henry, you're closest. <laughs> by one. Good gravy. That was my payment for trying to game well, the system. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm hoping that the country can rise to the challenge and, you know, we can build back better. We can, Im- we can imagine a better future with more Greggs and more millions of sausage rolls. Henry, I just want you to... Hey, Pete, speaking of chains and working and work placement in which year did Tesco you heard of Tesco right? Tessie Cohen's yeah I've heard of T to the E to the S to the C to the O first introduce the automated checkout in what year did Tesco first introduce now it says I hope it's 1864 and there's some steam monstrosity my automated (laughs) checkout will be revolutionary it can serve two customers every 14 days (laughs) here in the Congo Um, now that's Belgium so uh, Pete it doesn't say self-service checkout it says automated checkout. So I don't want to get confused. They might be different oh. things. Because that's my first instinct to think self-service, but it so says yeah, automated. So I've got some real thoughts on this. Right. First, self-service checkout, I know it existed when I was still at school because there was a time when I was back in Bristol. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And I stole <gasps> from Tesco because Whoa. I um, I basically took a while doing my shopping, got a bit annoyed. I got like very little. And then I was just sort of like going through the motions and I just put put my basket down, put everything into the bag without scanning it, picked up the bag and walked out. Whoa. And then I got to the, I got to the other side of the car park and I was like, I didn't pay for any of this, so I walked back and paid for it. Well, I think it's quite telling that we're recording this in prison. <laughs> um, that's why I'm here, boys. I, I, haven't, I didn't feel safe to tell it, but now I feel safe. I feel like I can trust you guys to broadcast this. Is why you're out of the country. <laughs> yes. Um... Uh, I'm in for us. But I also think that um, <laughs> earlier than that, people started, you started having that thing where you um, check, scan as you go around. So I would say like 2007, maybe even 2008 for uh, self-service. 
but it, the scan, the clicky scanny as you go around thing was before that when I was little, I think. So like I'm going to say 2005 for that. So I'm going to go 2005 or 2008 if I may. I'm afraid it's 2003. Pete, do you have a provocation for the board game debate? <laughs> Did you set me up for this and I've forgotten because I, I don't have anything in mind just yet. Can we have like a couple of moments of thinking time? Yes. Can you play the like uh, supermarket suite music? Yes. Is painting a board game? Painting isn't a board game. It's an it's a fun activity. And, and board game is an activity. And are we so we get. I'm, I'm to happy win. to invite you over to my house for board games, and you can paint my walls. Okay, so let's give a little bit more context because one of the things I did every day at Spiel was go and sit and paint and have a nice chill time painting a little space marine. And I, I don't, I, that's fine. And you guys seem to be up in my grill about it. <laughs> But um, uh, is is that a valid? Is that a waste of spiel? I'll, is that that's not a cost, not a waste of spiel? I don't think it's a waste. But I think it's a lovely thing, and you take uh, as you want, and you and you mm. had a really nice time, and I I res- respect <laughs> and love you for it. Um, but I okay, I'll, I'll bounce back. I, uh, the definition of a game mm. we are surrounded by literal games mm. and metaphorical games mm. is there is an end point. Right, there are all these rule books say this is how the game ends. Right, mm. there's usually a winner or loser, but if there's co-op, that might you know that's iffy. Maybe it isn't about winning or losing; it's about having fun. But there is a point when you go, this is the end of the game. Whereas painting is a lovely fun activity, which I enjoy. I love painting, but you could keep painting a model forever and ever and ever. There's no rules of when you end painting. There's no rules on painting. I don't think painting is a board game, but I think it it's part of that culture. So I don't think shopping for board games is playing board, is, is board game. I think one thing I like about Spiel a lot is that it caters to... It calls itself a board game convention, because it is. But <laughs> it cater, it's quite well divided up. So you've got, like, you know, you get variety in each area, but you've got family games, you've got, like, the more sort of dexterity party games are in an area, you've got your miniatures in an area, there's also your sort of tabletop RPGs, which are just books and lore and things, and then there's lots of... You can buy tables and dice and mm. um, weird stuff. You know, you can get all that, like... So I don't, I don't think it's board gaming, but I think it's board gaming adjacent. I don't... I, I mean, I would also not use the term board gaming for playing Warhammer, because it's not a board game. Yes. Good game, um, but we don't need to discuss that right now because one thing I want to say is that your your definition of game isn't a good one, and it's fine because you're right that painting isn't a board game. And I was being a dick. You've been I, a bit no. I was, you've been no, a I was dick. just having a little. Anyway, I think you were being a dick. Thanks, man. Thanks, man, for standing up for me. <laughs> I wish that you would believe in me more when I say I'm being a dick, but Henry. Anyway, point is that um, uh, one that's not really a good definition of a game because like there are games that don't necessarily end until you just decide to the same as painting like uh, i've played plenty mm. of games of like um, i've got some things over here where i've got a bunch of magic cards that i use like dixit have you guys played dixit no yeah i've got yeah so we play it like dixit but no, we're not keeping it's score it's like a sort of fun storytelling colorful yeah you give it a little prompt and people have to guess it's a bit right. like Myster- mysterium yeah mysterium is like dixit plus a uh, cluedo kind of yeah um which is uh, cluedo is like paranormal captivity but with a board game element mm. um 
point being that like we play that and we just play until we want to do something else hmm. and there's not an end point that's not what makes it a game likewise puzzles have an end point but most people would probably differentiate a game of sudoku a instance of sudoku well there we go i don't know most people would probably say sudoku isn't a game right sudoku. i think that's the accepted way of saying yeah I, yeah anyway that's that's the debate for the next episode um fine i my, my... <laughs> <laughs> yes i got it maybe the best definition of a board game is summer i want to play oh boy Can we go to the next side? Well, it's no, it's time to reveal the chunk. So Ben went to a lovely little stall and had a perusal at some lovely bags, and he decided he was going to pick up a mystery bag. So there were a lot of recognisable intellectual properties on the mystery bags. They are uh, paper bags with. Something written on it like Rick and Morty or One Piece. Harry Potter. Hentai. <laughs> hentai, actually. Look, I don't want to get technical like I did it on Henry, but that's not actually an IP. That's just... Please an don't... Shameful. perversion. Please don't Google hentai. Um, Put it into Bing. <laughs> um, Put it in the bin. Put it, get, get it bin. The point being, it's a bu- bunch of random stuff, right? It costs... Costs maybe more than I like to pay, but I'm just gonna. I don't know what's in here. I'm just gonna open He's it. He's reaching in as we speak. It's it's Disney. Did we say it's Disney? It's this one Disney. is Disney. Disney. So first off, uh, it's a Minnie Mouse pen. Whoa! With multiple colors. It does have multiple colors. Can you, would you care to guess the colors? Pink. I can see. I can see now, three pink of them. Pink is not a color. It's pink on the outside. Red. Red's a color. I'm gonna say blue and black because I can see them. Blue and black are both colors. Excellent. Oh, there's more. Green, orange, and purple. Green. Okay. Can you name me one Disney character that's green? The genie was originally going to be green. <laughs> well, that's fine then. Uh, what about the snake from Jungle Book? He's kind of brown. He's got green bits, hasn't he? I guess he's got... Well, I mean, they're all green. Um, Car. Shrek. Shrek. The caterpillar from A Bug's Life? Heimlich. He's, like, he's like blue. No, he's green, he's green, he's green. All right, great. So, Even though Heimlich wasn't... Anyway. I've got Pixar is Disney. Yeah, but not when Bugs Life was brought out. I've got I, a mm. what do you call these? Funko, Funko Pop. Pop. It's, it's a Funko a... Pop pin, uh, and it's Donald Duck, widely considered to be a maniac. Why <laughs> is why has Donald Duck maintained? I suppose because it's just an original thing that it can just fit into any. You can just create him as many times. So have you know what I call him? A coward. You I know. know what what I know what you call him. It's not. It's not podcast appropriate. Have you heard the theory that Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse split a costume between each other? Because Donald Duck wears a sailor hat and a shirt and a bow tie and nothing else. Yeah. And Mickey Mouse wears gloves, trousers and boots. So they Mickey Mouse has nothing on his top half and Donald Duck has nothing on his bottom half. But if you combine their costumes, you kind of get like a, a fun-timey a, sailor outfit. A mutant duck-mouse hybrid. Now, what I've, what I've realised with these first two things is I don't like... Mickey Mouse and his mm. oeuvre. Yeah. So if it's all going to be this sort of stuff, this frankly... You want some Raya and the Last Dragon merch. Well, Henry, my man, you're in luck because what the hell is this? Is that Disney? Oh, it's Bops and Tops. Um, okay. Oh, it's Aristocats. Okay, I recognise some of this. So this is um, something you'd get out of a blind machine. Dumbo's on here. Dumbo's Hello. A gachapon, you Dumbo's might call nice it. and fun. 
And I got fucking Dumbo, guys. Whoa! Oh, it's a cute little Dumbo. Okay, that's quite cute. That's a little plasticky it's, Dumbo. It feels kind of like rubbery. Yeah. He doesn't feel rubbery. He looks like he feels rubbery. Listen to that bounce. He does look like he feels rubbery. You can give him a little bounce. Um, what's your favourite thing about Dumbo, Pete? Uh, I, the only thing I can think of is the Jay-Z song that he got in trouble for being a bit anti-Semitic on where he was talking about... But <laughs> the, 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 Dumbo didn't do this. No, no, but he's got, he's got a um, lyric where he talks about... There's a place in New York called Dumbo. Okay. Um, which is like, I don't know, some... It's like Idaho. No, it's like, I don't know, Queens or something. I don't know, some place. And he was like, I, I could have bought a building in Dumbo when it was really cheap and now it's really expensive. Now I feel... Guess how I feel, Dumbo. That's, so your favourite thing about Dumbo is the Jay-Z song? The, in which he's... What, what's your favourite thing about Dumbo? He's got nice big ears. Give me the correct answer, right. I also like that he's very sad. <laughs> um, so, we've got a frozen... I don't know what this is. Well, I know what it is. It's a, it's a blind box vinyl figure. Um, it's like a Funko Pop, but it's not. Yeah. Oh, it is? It does say Funko. Frozen 2. Now, this is... I can tell from just looking at this, this is going to be a pain in the ass to open, so you two are going to have to solve the time. For like, I just don't... I really... I don't know how to say this right. I think Funko's are horrible and terrible. I think this is such a waste of plastic. I know, hey, I've got lots I of bits. I painted three Space Marines this I know, week. I know, I'm, are I'm a hypocrite for it, but I just, I just what? I've bought 30 euros of stuff I don't want, so, yeah. you know, who's the real... F wow, uh, wait, hang on, have we just got a new Who's the Chump segment? Oh, I don't want to be a double chump. Tune in next week for Who's the Chump? <laughs> Here's the call to action. Um, listeners, if uh, you feel like a hypocrite, you can uh, uh, text hypocrite to hypocrite. 118118108. I don't, I don't know what will happen if you send the word hypocrite to the number that's associated with hypocrite. Sorry, I'm still opening this. There's lots of unnecessary plastic layers. Who did I get? I got... I got the... I got the Kelpie. Man, that's a... Oh, I'm in 12. That's not that good. Um, <laughs> but this is the spirit of water from the second Frozen film. This one... Widely considered to be the second film. This one also looks like it's rubbery to the touch, but I can already tell from you putting it down that it's not rubbery <laughs> it doesn't to the touch. Stand, I can tell you it doesn't stand up. It doesn't, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. This one. I mean, it do, it stands up in the film, is what I'll say. I don't think this oh, this um, this tail oh, is. There's something um, else. There's something else. You can break off this tail. And there's also uh, there's a Winnie the Pooh thing, and it's you, got. You hate Winnie the Pooh? I don't hate. No, I I don't like Disney's Winnie the Pooh. Oh. I like Winnie the Pooh. Mm. And this horse will, you, will not stand up. I don't. I detest Tigger, and I but I've not got Tigger, but I've got this, Piglet, and who I'd say is the second, maybe the third, fourth worst. Piglet is the I worst do I, character. I don't know if I like any of them. Eeyore's I the like best. Eeyore's the best. Obviously, because he's like sure, sure, But Eeyore. then after that, maybe Pooh. Pooh's good. But who do you like after that? No one likes Owl or Rabbit. I so, don't really have... Certainly not Tigger. Kanga? Rue? They're quite well, sweet. Well, no one cares about them, though. Whoa. They're like in I guess they're, they're middle ground because they're inoffensive. Right, so just to clarify, we got a multicolored Minnie Mouse pen. We got a, a huge pin of Donald Duck, which no one would ever wear. We've got a quite a cute little Dumbo. Uh, we've got the ice horse from Frozen 2, which doesn't stand up. And we got Piglet. I'm so confused with this giant One Funko thing. It's up. supposed to look quite classy with the like, golden well, it's trim. It's Funko, so it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. But hey, you could put this on a bag. You might not wear it on your jacket. So this is the call to action. If anyone Send us five <laughs> pounds. If anyone wants any of this. I will put you in for a lot of a, a raffle lotto. If you know anyone, any children or adults who'd like any of this stuff, or chumps. just let me know because they can have it. Are they going to sit on your desk at work? While you're... <laughs> no, my desk is completely empty. <laughs> Except for my stacks of um, folders of down the public 
Oh, my design documents for Down the you, Pub you, in Lick Sector. I'm going to say that again because I messed it up. Except for all your design documents for Down the Public Sector board game that you work on relentlessly. I, on, on the public time, no less, um, I, I think you should take this to all of your meetings. My, my Minnie Mouse multicolored pen. Yeah, and yeah. you should sign, when you sign off to fire someone, you should do in the red I, pen. I think I think you should wear your Donald, your enormous Donald Duck pen to all your meetings. Actually, you didn't say where you said take. I just put it on the table. I think you and should. And then go. Well, let's talk about finance. I think you should go. If you can make this horse stand up, you can keep your heart. Oh dear, it looks like we're going to have to surgically I, I, remove I, I it. I need to tell people that I don't take people's hearts. Only metaphorically. Hey. hey. Listen, we've had a lovely time taking each other's hearts, and you've got my heart, listener. So before we go, we're going to go to a corpse wedding. Mm. Pete, whose corpse wedding is it? Well, we know the first person, as discussed, is Alec Guinness, who was bothering us earlier. On, on route to his grave, ah. he's gone to the chapel. Yeah. And he's having a shotgun wedding in... Essen. Yeah. With whom? Does it have to be another corpse? I, I think, yeah, that's how weddings. I think it's this what? horse. That's, that's, why wedding can, that's why it can't stand up because it's dying. You, I take this horse to be my lawfully wedded corpse horse wedding wife <laughs> marriage horse. <laughs> Thank you to Jarmouse, the provider of excellent jingles and theme tunes and so on for this beautiful pod. Yeah, boy! I've been Henry Raby. He's been Henry Raby, I'm Ben. That's Pete. He's been Ben and Henry Raby. Bye. Bye forever.